0: Table. They didn't often wait for other people, and they didn't. Uh, they were rude. Often, um, they often uh, treated one another with uh, rudeness. This morning, in First Corinthians chapter 13, we've been looking at those love is statements and love is not statements, and we're going to focus in on love is not rude. Love is not rude. And again, I'd invite you to pull out those message notes and just follow along this morning. And if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And let's look at verses 4 through 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I'm asking as... I come before you, we come before you as a church in prayer that this word may be applicable to our lives. Thank you again for the blessings, for the family time, for church family time this afternoon, for the opportunity to share your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I read about a a man that was at a greasy spoon restaurant and a lady brought him coffee and donuts and the man looked at the coffee and the donuts and he said these donuts are flat they're flat what's going on? and she said you ordered coffee and donuts and you said you said step on it Step on it. You know it never pays to be rude, does it? <laughs> it never pays to be rude. I, I read about—I read a-, a while back about a lady that got on a bus. This is a true story. She got on a bus. I, I think it was uh, someplace in Massachusetts, and she started smoking in the back of the bus. The bus driver pulled the bus over, and he went back there, and he said, "Ma'am, there's no smoking on this bus." She pulled out her umbrella and she whacked the bus driver a number of times. True story. I, I read about um, I read about this fellow that went to a fancy restaurant in Atlanta, Georgia, and went up to the host or hostess and uh, said, "How long will I have to wait?" And the host or hostess said. Two hours, and it made the man so mad that he decked the host or hostess, knocked and coal cocked and knocked it down. I I read about uh, a meter reader in Houston, Texas, went inside the yard to read a meter, a gas meter, and he was shot in his stomach by the owner of the house with a pellet gun. Shot him right in his stomach. There's no doubt about it that rudeness, rudeness is on the rise. People are often physically and verbally abusive of one another at more than any other time, I believe. It seems that common courtesy is no more. And this is what we read one more time in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, one more time. Notice, it does not dishonor others. Love is not rude. It is not rude. The Greek word for rude means to act unbecomingly or inappropriately, to cause problems for others. Bottom line, we are not to treat other people, We, excuse me, we are to treat other people with respect and dignity. Here's some working definitions. Here's some working definitions. Someone writes, the principle here has to do with what is what is uh, culturally poor manners. A rude person typically doesn't care enough or they're not sensitive enough to others and act unbecomingly or impolitely. A rude person causes uh, cares very little for the feelings or sensitivities of others. Therefore, the rude, the loveless person is careless, overbearing, and often crude. Now, if I were to take a poll in here this morning and you were to share with me forms of rudeness that really bother you, it might look like this. This is a sample that I've taken from different people uh, when it comes to forms of rudeness. Somebody said, it's rude when people phone you and ask, who's this before identifying themselves? Another person said, it's rude, it's rude When people eat spaghetti with their fingers. Have you ever seen that? I've never seen that. But this one person said it's rude when people eat spaghetti with their fingers. Uh, People who honk their horn incessantly, especially in a traffic jam, and they're going nowhere, and the person is continuing to honk their horn. That's rude, one person said. Another person says, when a car cuts you off or tailgates you. How many of you like it when people tailgate you? They're right on your bumper. Uh, someone else said when a person brings more than 15 items into the express lane down here at Chester's Market. That's really rude. Uh, sneezing or coughing without covering your mouth. Picking one's nose in the public. Who does that? <laughs> People who come from the opposite side direction and steal your parking spot that you're waiting patiently for. That's Really rude. Again, the Bible says in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse five, love is not rude. The Phillips translation reads, Love has good manners. Someone else writes, Rudeness is not necessarily about breaking what we think are silly man made rules, but, but but bottom line, it's about breaking the commandment to love your neighbour as you should love yourself. Here's the simplest definition. Here's the simplest definition of rudeness. Uh, it is a lack of respect. It's a lack of respect for other people. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, we read, show proper respect to everyone. Why? Who's everyone? Policemen who pull you over and you don't think you've done anything wrong. judges who find you a fine a crabby next door neighbor or elderly person that clerk at the store who is having a bad day obviously that fast food worker who could hardly speak english the bible says that we're supposed to show respect To everyone, to everyone, to children, to jerks at work, to unbelievers, to er everybody. Peter says again, everyone. Now, what's the motivation for treating everyone with respect? Why should I treat other people with, with respect? First of all, I believe the Bible teaches because God made everybody. Because God made everybody. Notice Psalm 8, verse 5. It says, you God made man inferior only to yourself. You crowned him with glory and honor. The Bible says every single person in this world, whether black or white or red or yellow, regardless of their skin color, whether they're Republicans, Democrats, Independents, whether they're old, whether they're elderly, whether they're young, whether they're rich or poor, it says that God loves everybody. He made everybody, with all of their idiosyncratic ways, even their, even the most despicable, unlovely person, the so-called riffraff in this world, all people deserve respect in this world. And the second reason, that the second motivation for loving people and for respecting people is because God gave His Son, Jesus Christ. He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, who died for the sins of, Of the world, First Peter says, chapter uh, chapter one, verses eighteen through nineteen. God paid a ransom to save you. He paid for you with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And this is how valuable people are. Jesus went to the cross. He died on behalf of the sins of the world. He stretched his arms out and he said, "This is how much I love you." Now, if Jesus Christ died for humanity, died for the sins, he gave himself, sacrificed on the cross, then we are in turn, are to, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, we are in turn to love other people and to be respectful of all people. Did you know, in Matthew chapter 25, if you have your Bibles, would you turn there with me please? In Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, Turn over with me to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to be looking at verse 33. We read about the judgment here in Matthew chapter 25. And notice in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says that in the judgment, at the judgment day, He'll put the sheep, notice, He'll put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. And verse 34 the king will say to those on the right, the sheep, come and receive your inheritance. Verse 35, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. And notice in verse 37, Lord, the question will be asked, When did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did, uh, when did we see you sick in the prison? And notice verse 40, Anytime, anytime, you've done it to the least of these. He says, you've done it unto me. And that's how important it is to be loving and kind and respectful of other people because Jesus Christ died for everyone and because God created everyone. There's a third motivation and there's a third reason why we should be respectful of other people, of everyone. And that is, because God is love and it proves that I really know Him. How do I know I'm a Christian? By the way I treat other people, especially people that are difficult often to love. This is what it says, First John chapter 4, verse 8. If a person isn't loving and kind, it shows that he does not know God for God is love. The NIV translation says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That's chapter 4, verse 7. Remember when we first got to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And Paul, in verses 1 through 4, says, my paraphrase, you can have the IQ of Albert Einstein You can have the wealth of Bill Gates. You could die a martyr's death. But if you don't have love, you're nothing but a sounding gong or a clean simple. You might as well just beat the drum day after day after day. We're to be respectful of other people because God is love. And He wants us to be loving toward other people. Now, do you remember Jesus in his earthly ministry a lady came to him who was been caught caught in the very act of adultery and the pharisees were such rude people they knew all of the doctrines they had all the doctrines down but they were rude and they threw this lady who had been caught in the act of adultery they threw her at Jesus feet and Jesus defends her. He says to those Pharisees who had the stone, so to speak, in their hands, ready to stone her to death. He who was without sin cast the first stone. And they dropped their stones and they slunk away. He defended her. He defended her dignity. He respected her. The Bible says, then he met with her in private and talked about her sin. We're to respect people because God loves people. It proves that we're Christian people if we have love for one another. In fact, I find it interesting that we read in Luke Chapter 15, verse 2, That the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, um, we don't know about you because you've been hanging around with the sinners. You've been hanging around with the tax collectors. You've been hanging around with the publicans. You've been hanging around with the prostitutes. You've been hanging around with the lepers. We don't know about you, Jesus. Why would you do that? Because he befriended him. He respected everyone whether it was the person that was up here or the person down here. And this is what we see in Jesus' earthly ministry, because he treated people. And if Jesus is really in me, it makes sense that this is the way that I'm going to treat people. This is the way I'm going to respect everybody. We should also, number four, respect. I believe the Bible teaches respect others because God will compensate us. God will reward us for respecting other people. Now, that's not the bottom line motiva- motivation, but it's true. It's a principle. And this is what we read in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It basically says, What you reap, you sow. If you sow disrespect, you're going to reap disrespect. If you sow graciousness, you will reap graciousness. If you sow respect, you will receive respect back. And uh, the point is, whatever... We need a life. We need to give that away. And if we want to be treated graciously, again, we will treat others graciously. Emerson said, and I'm quoting, manners, manners are the happy way to do things. Manners are the happy way to do things. In other words, courteous people are a lot more happier than you might want to say rude people are. Now, I want to talk about, in the remaining of my message this morning, I want to talk about how to give and receive respect. How to give and receive respect. And, and I, I want you to notice that the very first thing that, uh, that I think that we need to do is, and I think the Bible, I believe the Bible does teach us, is, is that we need to be very, very tactful. We need to be tactful. Learn how to say things in the right way. You say, Pastor Ron, why do you begin with that? Because often rudeness has something to do with our mouth. Rudeness has something to do with our mouth. When I start speaking, and the way that I speak, it can become the primary way that I'm often rude with other people. I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Notice what it says. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. He's talking about tact. And tactfulness is thinking before you speak. You would all agree with me that there's a way that we can speak and the way that we say something and the way in which we... Uh, I mean, we could say the same words, we could say the same words six different times, but if we said it in a different way, it would be received differently because the way we say it is just as important of, what the, what, uh, uh, of the words that we actually say. How we say it? And we know that and we've, we've all experienced that in our lives. So we're talking about tact. Somebody said tactfulness tactfulness is relational lubrication. It's relational lubrication. It minimizes friction between people. Somebody said when you use tact, you have less to retract because you think first. And I just can't overemphasize uh, tactfulness enough. Here's the definition of tact. Someone writes, tact is what you thought you didn't say. Tact is what you thought you didn't say. Tact is the ability to make a point without making an enemy. Tact is when somebody tells you to go jump off a cliff and it makes you look forward to the journey. Tact is treating everybody as if they knew what they were talking about when they don't. Tact is the art of telling somebody he's open-minded when he just has a hole in his head. Tact is changing the subject without changing your mind. And when the Bible, I believe, refers to tact, they're really referring to Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul says, speak the truth in love. There is truth telling, but when you tell the truth, you have to say it in love. And that's being tactful. A lot of people say, well, I just speak whatever's on my mind. I just say it the way it is. And yet, Proverbs 15:4 says, "Kind words bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit." I, I just tell it the way it is. I just let the chips fall where they may. That's not candor. That's rudeness. That's a lack of tact. That just means that often we could care less about other people. We're more concerned about what we think than what other people feel. Um, I, I, I like this little story here. It reminds me of the guy that went up to the pastor. The pastor preached the message about talents, the parable of the talents. And this man came up to the pastor after the pastor preached on the parable of the talents. And he said, Pastor, my talent is just the ability to speak my mind. And the pastor responded, That's one talent you should bury. <laughs> Let's go on here. We're talking about how to give and receive respect. How to give and receive respect. Don't be demanding. Don't be demanding when people wait on you, and people serve you. Be patient with them. Of course, I'm talking about waiters and waitresses. I'm talking about those fast food workers. I'm talking about those uh, sh- uh, store clerks, those people that wait on you in the hardware store, those people that wait on you in the grocery store, th- those people that serve you. We, don't, don't be uh, rude to those individuals don't be like that. Don't be demanding when people wait on you. When, when, you're, when, you're, when you're, It just drives you crazy because you're trying to get information about something and all of a sudden they send you to India and you don't understand a word that they're saying. I've had uh, waiters and waitresses tell me that some of the most rudest people at the most rudest time happen to be Christian people on Sunday afternoons. I hope nobody's like that here. Don't be demanding when people are waiting on you, when people are serving you. I want you to look at Proverbs 16.21. A wise, mature person is known for his understanding. The more pleasant his words, the more persuasive he is. And this goes not only in the workplace, treating other people, but this applies to our home life. This applies to our home life. Rudeness can kill a marriage. Rudeness can kill a marriage. I heard about a couple. I heard about a couple who actually got an annulment on the basis of his rudeness. His burping all the time. It's a true story. The husband burped all the time. And evidently his wife took him to court because it was so annoying to her. And the wild thing about it is is the judge granted this annulment because of his burping, and he said, if you are more sensitive and loving to your wife, you would not do that. And again, granted this annulment, because he should have been more considerate. How do we give and receive respect? I think the number three the Bible teaches, do be gentle and not judgmental in disagreeing with others. Do be gentle and not judgmental in disagreeing with others. Am I supposed to run around and be a personal personal policeman to the unchurched? Absolutely not. Am I supposed to be a personal policeman to fellow Christian individuals and people? Absolutely not. No. No. Romans chapter 14, verses 12 to 13. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on each other. Instead, make up your mind not to put a stumbling block in another's way. One of these days, this passage of Scripture says, I'm going to give an account to God. Nobody else is going to give an account to God for me. And the second thing this passage of Scripture says, that I'm not God. I'm not going to judge other people. And therefore, it's important to be gentle and not judgmental in disagreeing with others. Now, we've said before in here, going through First Corinthians, that this often was a problem for the Corinthian church because when they disagreed, they, didn't, they often did, didn't do it in an agreeable way. They disagreed with one another disagreeably. And there's nothing wrong with disagreeing with people. In fact, I, I'll wager to say that if we were to take an opinion this morning about different uh, Bible doctrines and different Bible emphasis on here that we would have a number of disagreements perhaps even on what we would consider major Bible doctrines like eschatology and the way in which we should baptize people etc, etc but we're smart enough and we have enough graciousness and we have enough love to be able to disagree agreeably because that's respect I respect your opinion Lord, come to respect my opinion. This is what we read in James chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Wherever there is jealousy, selfish ambition, there will be disorder. But wisdom from above is peaceful, gentle, and friendly. If you'd like to circle, peaceful, gentle, and friendly. Peaceful, gentle, and friendly. When you get two Christians arguing together about something, that's not right. That's divisive. It causes disunity in the church. Did you know this example of peaceful, gentle, and friendly? Being persuasive through being pleasant. The best example of church history of this is found in the story of John woman who's John Woolman? John Woolman is a 17th was a 17th century Quaker we're talking about the evangelical side of Quakers called the Society of Friends the Society of Friends Quakers uh, in the 17th century owned slaves many of them had slaves John Woman, as a young man, thought that this was a terrible, terrible thing. That his fellow Quakers, the Society of Friends, had slaves, and he thought it was an ugly blight. And he came up with a simple strategy to get rid of slavery among his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in the Society of Friends. He did not pick it, he didn't hold mass rallies. He never preached angrily and pointed his finger at these individuals and these people. He did not gather names on petitions. He didn't go on hunger strikes. He didn't chastise people. He simply went around for 30 years and knocked on doors of people that owned slaves. They welcomed in him. He was warm. He was kind. He was gracious. He won their respect and he asked them, he asked each one of those people this question, how does it feel to be a child of God and to own slaves? That's all he did. There was no condemnation in his approach because he believed, he believed that slaveholders were people of conscience. And if they truly had a relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit would convict them by asking him that question. Did you know, church history tells us that he was so successful in ridding the Society of Friends, Quakers, of having slaves that 100 years before the Civil War, there's not one report of a Quaker owning a slave. And that's the power of graciousness and respect. Instead of beating people over the head, and instead of saying, my way or the highway, we respect people. Today, there are many wrongs that need to be righted. True? Lots of wrongs that need to be righted. There are ill mistaken ideas that need to be corrected. And how do we do this? How do we do this? What kind of person can God use? Again, John Woolman is one example of of that kind of person. Perhaps his greatest strength was that he was tactfully bold. Tactfully bold. Bold in the sense that he recognized a mammoth task and willing to attack it single-handedly with nobody else helping him. Tactful in the sense that he never wanted to devastate emotionally those people that he was trying to aid or help change their mind. Tactfully bold with that. How to give and get respect. Number four, let's go on here. Do be loving and kind back to people that are rude toward you. Do be loving and kind back toward people that are rude toward you. And I want you to look at Colossians chapter five. Colossians chapter four verses five and six. this, This isn't a modern day paraphrase, but listen to this Colossians chapter four, verses five and six. Be tactful with those who are not Christians. Talk to them agreeably, with the flavor of wit, and try to fit your answers to the needs of each one. When you're trying to reach people for Jesus Christ, you want to do it respectfully, respectfully, with kindness. You don't beat on church people over the head. I'm so embarrassed at times when you listen to Christian radio or you watch Christian television and you get some of these individuals who make the good news bad news. you understand what I just said? Who make the good news bad news. They think in order to win people to Jesus Christ that they have to point out all their foibles, all their faults. They have to beat them over the head. They have to put them down. They often have to pull themselves up by putting other people down. And this is not Jesus' way. You know what Billy Graham, the great evangelist, said? You know what, he, what his definition of evangelism was? And is? Excuse me, he's still alive. Is? He said, evangelism is simply one beggar sharing with another beggar how to find bread. I, 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 when I was a younger person, it was so easy to get on a bandwagon and to point fingers and to try to bring the Holy Spirit's conviction upon people. But I found out people respond to John chapter three verse sixteen because God is love. He loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son and whosoever believed in him. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. So when we share the gospel message, we want to do it with respect. Respect, it's only by God's grace that we're saved. And that attitude has to come across when we're sharing it with people that don't know the Lord. We don't want to look down our noses. Now, I've got to tell you, there was a time in my ministry as well where I found myself being very, very critical of other pastors and other ministries, especially the health and wealth and prosperity guys, But the Lord showed me one day that if you're so critical of other people, you will receive criticism back your way. Who are we to judge another person's ministry when we don't know the true intentions and motives of what's happening and what's going on? Are you saying, Pastor Ron, uh, that you can't be wise and discerning? I'm not saying that. But we better be careful of being critical. Because criticalness always has a rebound. We're to respect everyone. I can disagree agreeably with people. Well, do you respond with rudeness? With politeness number five do respond to people's rudeness with politeness I'm out of time this morning and I want to I want to close with an illustration that I ran across this last week and if you wouldn't mind turning with me to Genesis chapter nine Genesis chapter 9 Genesis chapter nine And this story is found in verses 20 through 23. Genesis chapter 9, verses 20 through 23. And it just spoke to me. Genesis chapter 9, verses 20 through 23. Let me give you the background here. This is after the flood. Noah has built the the ark all of these years. They have the flood. They're on dry land. And the scripture says one of the first things he does is he plants a vineyard. He grows this crop of grapes. And then he makes wine. And I don't understand why. You won't understand why. But why is it that Noah gets drunk? But he gets drunk. He's stoned out of his mind. And he's so stoned drunk that he takes all of his clothes off. And he passes out. I, the context, I think, tells us in a private area, like a, this tent. And his youngest son walks in. Ham sees his father in that condition. And at that point, he has two choices. He can respect his father or disrespect his father. And for some reason, the whole context tells us he chooses to disrespect his father. We don't know exactly everything he did. But... For some reason, I would like to think that he laughs, he finds it humorous, and he goes and gets his older brothers. Part of the joke, part of the fun. You gather other people, right? To be disrespectful. He gathers his older brothers, Shem and Japheth. And when they saw their father's condition, they also had a choice. Respect or disrespect. And you will notice in this passage of Scripture that when they saw their father's condition, they got a garment on the back of their shoulders and they walked backwards into the tent area where their father was and they threw Their garment over their father's new body and walked back out. Isn't that wonderful? Respect. What's more difficult is to respect a person. That isn't worthy, quote, worthy of our respect. And yet the Bible says that love is not rude, love is respectful of everyone. Would you bow your heads with me?